Welcome to Making the Magic, a podcast chatting all about things Disney, Universal and beyond. And this week, we really are going beyond Disney and Universal, because we're off to Lapland. I'm Amanda. And I'm Martin. That's right. We normally concentrate on things Disneyland Paris, Walt Disney World, Universal Orlando. But after those, Lapland is one of the biggest selling destinations that we do. And it's something completely unique and and magical. And it definitely fits in with the fairy tale holidays vibe, doesn't it? It does. And we find a lot of the families that we arrange trips to Orlando or Disneyland Paris for do also have a Lapland trip on their bucket list. And it is a fabulous destination, isn't it? It's a bit of a once in a lifetime, go and see Santa, maybe see the Northern Lights, a really great trip. And this week, we're really lucky to have Julie with us. And she's one of our trusted travel partners. And she's been over to Lapland many, many times. So she's going to be able to paint that picture of all the amazing things that you can do over in Lapland. So get ready to listen because it is really magical. So welcome to the show, Julie. And a big thank you for joining us to talk all about Lapland. You're very welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Well, our podcast, as you know, is mainly about Disney, Universal, Orlando holidays. But we know so many of our clients are really interested in Lapland too, as it's such a magical destination. Nothing quite like a trip to Lapland, is there? Oh, my goodness. No, there isn't. I've been in this industry a very long time. And actually, Lapland is the most magical destination that I've ever been to. It's incredible. It must be amazing when you go out there and particularly seeing the small children meeting Santa. I just think you don't know what to expect before you go. You think you know your own expectations, but when you actually arrive, you're just in awe of this magical destination, you know, with or without children. It is just fantastic because there is so much to the country itself. You know, I mean, we know Lapland isn't a country. It's part of Finland is where we go to, Lapland, Finland. But it's just on arrival. It just feels so different. The landscape is different. The sun doesn't necessarily rise. So you can arrive at nine o'clock in the morning and it still might be pitch black. You know, it's all that kind of thing that you don't necessarily expect. And when you get there, you think, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, I did read about that, you know, but it's just magical. And talking about the basics then, so how long is it going to take to get there from the UK? So flying is between three and three and a half hours. As a company, we go from lots of different regional airports, but it's always about the same sort of time. And then when you arrive in Lapland, where we go to, depending on the trip you're doing, we would either fly you into Kitala or Rivalo, and the transfer wouldn't be any longer than about half an hour. So you can actually be, with the time difference, which I think is an hour or two hours, depending, in time difference, you actually can be at your hotel by just after lunchtime and early afternoon. So if you take an early morning flight out, And then you can be at your hotel. So it's not too far. And, you know, even if you're doing a short trip, it's still not too far to go to. Yeah, because some of the trips that you offer are only two, three nights. So it's still definitely worth going for that short amount of time, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you just need to make sure you pack everything in because you might not ever go again. It's one of those bucket list destinations that you actually want to go to. If there's a fair chance, you might only do it once. And, you know, if once you go, you just want to do as much as you possibly can within that space of time. And when's the best time to visit? So we operate between sort of December, very end of November and February. There's two different types of trips that you can do in that time. The November, December is very much about the big man himself and going to see Santa and meeting the real father Christmas. But then if you go after Christmas, it's all about being a winter wonderland experience and it's very magical. So depending on the types of holiday that you're looking for, the type of trip, if it's about Santa, end of November, 
through to December, through to up to Christmas, really. And then if it's more about the winter experience, you can still go in December, probably more so January, February. I don't think between those months there's a better time to go other than the actual activity you want. It will just depend on what it is that you actually want to go there for. What's the weather like over there at that sort of time of the year? Snowy, as you would expect. (laughs) (laughs) We need a little bit of snow in Lapland. You don't get the magical bit. It's not necessarily snowing all of the time. The last trip I went on, it did snow. It snowed while I was there quite a lot. And that was a year. So that was December 2019. And that was a year where we did have an awful lot of snow and it was just fantastic. But I've been where there's been no snow at all. And you've just got this most amazing sky. It's cold. I was talking to somebody the other day and they'd had minus 42. So it's pretty chilly. But I've been when it's been about minus 12, 15, which has not been too bad, really. The thing to remember is you will be given your thermal suits. So it isn't cold, if that makes sense. It's a dry cold. So it's not like here when it's cold, it's wet and miserable. It's very much when you're over there, it's sort of a dry cold. Once you've got all your thermal suits, which are provided on the short breaks, they're provided for you. You've got your big thermal suits that you put on. You put layers underneath it of your own. So depending on how much you feel the cold, you know, personally, I like to just wear a pair of thermal leggings, a couple of T-shirts or a T-shirt and a longer thermal sleeve top or something underneath. And I'm okay. Other people might want to wear jumpers and things. They give you the thermal boots. And I say thermal boots because that sounds a bit weird, but they are fleece lined inside. So they're super comfy and super warm because if your toes get cold, that's just horrible. Also provide the socks, which are woolen socks and the woolen mittens, which are both really warm. On a personal level, I prefer to take a pair of ski socks and then I do put the woolly socks on over the top. And then I also prefer my own gloves. But again, you've got the mittens there if you want to. But do take hat and scarf of your own. Although I say it's cold. You're so snug that it doesn't actually feel that cold necessarily. And if it's snowing, it just adds to the magic. And if it's not snowing, then generally speaking, because the sun doesn't necessarily rise completely, this sort of, you get a glow. So you get like the pink sky. So in the morning, it might not get light until 10 o'clock in the morning. And this depends on whether you're there in December or whether you're there in February. But it might not get light until about 10. And then it might be dark again by about half two. And some people might think, oh, my God, that'd be horrible being dark all that time. But it's not. It just adds to it. You know, and there's so many different things that you don't even notice that it's got dark. You know, it's just gradual. And then the sky is just like this pink sky. It's just fantastic. So, yeah, weather-wise, I don't think I've ever known anybody to say that, oh, it was wet, as in raining. It's either snowing or it's not snowing. But either way, it's just that light is just it's just fantastic. So, yeah. It sounds like you're all going to be very warm. And, and as you said, it's a different kind of cold, maybe something we're not used to in the UK, because when it's cold in the UK, it tends to be pretty wet as well but what if there's no snow is there sort of a guarantee yeah we did have a a year 2018 i think it was the first year ever where there was no snow (laughs) well i say no snow there was a bit of a dusting but you can't really pull sledges and reindeer rides on on a dusting of snow so we make sure we have a no snow guarantee so the no snow guarantee will ensure that we won't take people if we can't give them the experience that we want to or that they would expect to receive so we either change dates or we would offer refunds and, you know, if we couldn't take them on the debt set dates. It's never happened before. 
We like to think it's never going to happen again. But of course, in this world, who knows what's going to happen with anything? You've got to have snow. You've got to be able to experience it. You know, I mean, the snow, I said to you about the weather, the snow makes it. The snow is a very different type of snow. I've skied in many different countries and resorts, but I've never come across snow like this. It's not normal snow. I know that sounds a little bit crackers, but it's not normal. It's such fine and it's so dry. If you go out, you know, outside and pick up a snowball, create a snowball, pack it up, chuck it, you know, voila. If you do that, it doesn't compact and it just, you might as well just throw dust because it just, you know, disintegrates before you. And when you go along, particularly at dark, if the lights are on it, but it just sparkles like you've never seen it before. It's almost like diamonds. It's just fantastic. So, yeah, you've got to have snow. If there's no snow, we won't take you. Fantastic. Because as you said, I think if you went and there was no snow, then that's part of the magic of being in Lapland, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. You know, you want to see the reindeers in the snow. You want to see the huskies pulling the sledges. You want to see Father Christmas in his log cabin in the snow covered forests and you know walk through waist high snow trying to spot the northern lights and things like that you absolutely do need it and what do you think is a good age to take children and some people want to take the children at the prime time when they're gonna you know I mean, Father Christmas is real, don't get me wrong, but children do lose that belief a little bit. Some people say, well, I've got a child of you know five and I've got a youngster of about two. Can I take them? You can, we just don't recommend them really under three or four. The reason we don't is because, A, the thermal suits, we don't have them small enough to fit anybody under three or four, so we wouldn't fit a baby in a thermal suit. And also, you know, if you think about when you're going around this fantastic Arctic Circle Centre and you've got all these activities you can do and you've got a tiny baby that's going to actually prevent you from doing certain things because you can't take the baby onto certain activities or, you know, he or she needs feeding or needs changing or is just a bit whingy. It can ruin it completely. So our sort of recommendation is really three or four upwards is a good age. Top line, really, there is no top level. I mean, adults go without kids anyway. And they, even if you're going to see Santa in December without children, and trust me, I've done it, you can't believe that you've gone for a few years where you haven't believed because you just do. You just reinvent this back again. It's brilliant. If you've got older teenagers, you, if they're on the cusp, it buys you another year. So it does buy that other year of magic. If they're not a believer, it doesn't matter because the Santa part of any of these holidays is such a small bit. It's about half an hour's worth of the entire trip for two, three, four or five days or whatever you want to go for. So it is such a small bit. They will still absolutely love it because I don't find anybody that doesn't go and get excited when they see the real Father Christmas. But also there are so many more activities that the kids can enjoy. So, you know, the Santa bit is quite small, but it doesn't really matter what age you are from the top end because from the younger age I think it can be a little bit daunting for the younger ones sometimes. Would you mind just talking us through then so the two or three night shorter trips which are yeah going to meet Santa so what can people expect if they're going on one of those short breaks? So let me take you through it a little bit I get gooses when I talk about it because I get so excited myself once you've arrived in resort so you've flown you've transferred you've got to your hotel or whatever you've kitted out with all your thermal stuff then is the time you start to really enjoy the whole trip. So if you're going for just a couple of nights, 
the first evening, depending on the exact itinerary that you pick in terms of, you know, the, the holiday within Santa's Lapland, you've got the first evening, you can just explore and do what you want. All your meals are included, so you don't have to worry about that. You've got dinner included. But you will go and just explore, wander around the little resorts, depending on where you're staying. We stay in Saraselka on our two night trips and our three night trips. So you stay in South, choice of different hotels, very, very central within the resort. It's a tiny little village, really, but big enough to have huge toboggan run that you can go and have some fun on you know there's a ski slope there if people wanted to try a bit of skiing there's some little tiny souvenir gift shops nothing tacky whatsoever but this beautiful little finland lapland type shops that you can go into so you have a day or an evening to do what you want to do that day the next day is when you will then go to the arctic circle center so this is your search for santa day and you'll be picked up at a set time so you'll get all the details about when you'll be picked up by coach and taken it's about half an hour transfer out into an exclusive arctic circle center and then you have a whole day for as long as you want it to be because it's rolling return transfers so you have a whole day to do lots of different things so if santa is the first thing you want to do brilliant go and do it so to go and find Santa, you basically go on a search through the forest. So you will go and get on a sort of a snowmobile led sledge. But it's only you and your family. There's only you and your group, whoever you're with, that go on this sledge. It's not a massive group thing where you go in with lots of different people. You go through the forest and, you you know, little elves on the way that are talking elfish. And, you know, you get to this log cabin and there's more elves there. And then you kind of you get invited in to go and see Santa. And there he is. And he's sitting there with the children's letters, which is amazing. And he knows everything that the kids want. And you talk to them and you get a visit for up to about 10 minutes or so, depending on the size of the group that you're with. And then the children do get a little present. As an adult, I was given a little present and I did bring it home wrapped still and put it under the Christmas tree because it was from Father Christmas. But it can be um, a little put soft toy reindeer or husky or, or whatever. So it can be a little thing there. And then you do your Father Christmas. He's sitting with his, got his log fire on, lots of presents around him, et cetera, et cetera. And it is very special. What we don't do is we don't have people there taking your photos and you've got to go through the gift shop to get out of it or anything else. It's like literally take your phone, take your cameras, keep your phones warm because you don't want them to die at that crucial moment. But you can then just take your own videos. He will talk into it for you, take pictures, whatever. And then you just come away and then you go back. Once you've done your Santa bit, whatever time of the day that you want to do that in, the only other thing you get timed for, you actually have a time for, is the husky rides. So now you actually drive the huskies. The adults drive the huskies. Kids can sit in the sleigh and the kids are entertained while you have your health and safety talk. You've got to have a health and safety talk because these dogs are very excited and they can't wait to take you off around this track and through the forest again and what have you. So the parents are told how to steer these huskies. And actually, it sounds a little bit more frightening than it actually is. It's so exciting. It's brilliant. Just don't fall off. Just hold on tight. So then you then you go. And at the end of the ride, when you've gone through, you can stop halfway through. So if mum and dad or whatever want to do, you know, half each, you stop halfway where the guide tells you, swap over, and then the other one gets a turn to drive it. And at the end, you can then greet the dogs properly before the ride they're so excited that you can't pet them but at the end you know they're tired and they've done their running so they just lay down and you can go up and the and the people that sort of own if you like the huskies they'll tell you who they are they'll tell you who their mum is they'll tell you all about them what their names are and everything else and you get to know your dogs so it's quite nice really you can have about 10 minutes or so just with them which is just a lovely part of it so that's your husky ride. You also get reindeer rides where you can go around a lake and you're guided by a semi 
a Lapland person that sort of looks after his herd of reindeer. You can also play ice hockey. You can go ice fishing. There's um, little toboggan runs where you can do, do some sledging. But also what's around you, you get your lunch included and it's like a warm, proper lunch. So it's you know spaghetti bolognese type of thing. Or we will cater for vegetarians and gluten-free. However, remember it's Lapland. So it's not going to cater for every kind of dietary requirement, but it will do the basic coverage. So you get your dinner included, but then dotted around you in all sorts of places, there's little huts that you can go into and you can get warm. There's fires, so you can take your gloves off for a bit, you know, warm your hands up. There's freshly cooked cookies and pancakes and hot berry juices, and it's all included. So literally when you're there, there's no gift shop in this centre. And that's important, I think, because it just gives you that true, authentic experience about what Lapland is all about. The only thing you would need money for is if you want to go into the ice bar, which I do fully recommend because there's complete ice sculptures in there, which are great. The tables and the chairs are all ice. You can have a hot chocolate. You can just have a hot drink. You can have it with rum in, obviously, um, or not. You can have it with whipped cream on top. But if it's too cold... The credit card machine might not work. So you do have to make sure you've got a few euros in your pocket just in case because you'd hate to get to that bar and find that you can't have that hot drink. But, yeah, there's lots and lots of things to do. So once you've had that day, you've had enough and you've decided, you know what, this has been amazing, but we now need to go back. Or you might have another excursion booked for the evening or something. You just go and get on the rolling transfer and go back. And that can be the end of your trip in terms of the organiser. And then at that point, you've again got the evening for your evening meal. And then you've got the next morning before you transfer back. So you can just do lots of exploring or there is time to do other things as well. It's just an incredible day that people will remember. I think if you ask anybody who's been to Lapland who can recite any holiday that is the most memorable, quite often it's a Lapland, it's this trip to Lapland. Oh, certainly. I mean, I've had lots of clients who've gone and done Lapland trips. Yeah, it is one of those that you just remember. And you said about it might be a once in a lifetime. And I I think that's right. Lots of people do just go once. But I have clients who've been maybe two or three times. They've gone once just as a family. And then like the next year, taken the grandparents or other friends because it was so amazing that they wanted to go back as well and do it all again. So it is a very magical experience, isn't it? It is. I think it's a very multi-generational type experience. And we do get a lot of people that go with the grandparents, the parents and the children. And the grandparents are quite often the ones that instigate it. So they'll be the ones that say, come on, let's go. And then grandchild number two appears. And it's like, oh, we'll go again. Oh, grandchild number three. Oh, got to go again. So that's where you can go time and time again, because, you know, we can't have any grandchildren missing out on this wonderful experience. So, yeah, it is. It's once in a lifetime for some and for others, they, they just love it. And I think most people do think about Lapland for families, but I've certainly booked quite a lot of just adult only trips, not necessarily going to see Santa, but going maybe after Christmas and staying in one of the log cabins that you have. With adults, you kind of want to see Santa, but it's not always about Santa would be a very minor part of it. But Lapland is a destination in its own right in terms of the other things that you can do. And we do seven nights or we do short breaks after December. So January, February in particular is where we get a lot of adults that want to go. So they're not bothered about Santa. They just want to go and see what Lapland is all about. And that's where you can do, as I say, seven nights in different resorts. So you've got Levy, Ulas and Saraselka are the three resorts that we feature. And they're all very different resorts within their own right. But the activities and the atmosphere is still the same. So, you know, people want to go and see what it's like. The landscape. I think I said at the beginning, it's quite different. It's quite a flat landscape with loads of trees 
that sky, that snow, you know, but you've got things like, when I say it's very flat, you can ski. So there are some mountains. It's just that you can see quite a long way, so a long way across. But you can go on, you can do longer sort of snowmobile adventures. You can go in search for the northern lights. I mean, that's fantastic. You can go on a snowmobile during the day, brilliant. But doing it at night is completely different again. And you might be lucky enough to see the, the northern lights out there, which is magic. Again, just something else, something very different. You might want to do a longer husky ride or a longer reindeer ride. Go and visit a reindeer farm. And quite often we'll do trips where you go and visit a reindeer farm via snowmobile you know so it's things like that that you can do you can go skiing it's brilliant for if you're not a skier as such but you want to give it a go because the ski resorts out there are brilliant and the snow is great but they're only 55 kilometers so if you're an advanced skier or you're anticipating on skiing for a week they're going to be so bored after about two o'clock in the afternoon but you know for a beginner it's perfect because you've got other things to do or if you've got one person out of the family that wants to ski it's great because they can go off they can have a lesson they can ski and the others can do other things so you've got all that kind of thing you can do you can go snowshoeing cross-country skiing is huge out there can't quite work out why people would want to do that but you know that's <laughs> So it's a really popular pastime out there. You can just go walking, you know, and just exploring it. And spa hotels, you know, people want to do spas where you're sitting in the hot tubs, maybe outside in, in the snow area. It's just a lot to do out in that land. It is just a great destination in its own right. So for people who want to do something a little bit different as a winter holiday, it's just the perfect destination to go to. And how commercialised are Levy and Ulas compared to Saraselka? So Levy, I would say, is probably a little bit more commercialised out of the three, but not commercialised as in the sense that it's really tacky and you've got McDonald's on every corner or anything like that. It's just got a few more bars, there's a karaoke bar, you can go and get pizza, you know, that kind of thing. But it isn't, it still isn't. It's just a bit bigger. So some people like it because it's a bit bigger. And you've got different things around. You've got different accommodation dotted around the resort that you can actually go and stay in. So depending, again, what you're looking for, you know, if you want a hotel with a, a big swimming pool complex, there'll be one of those. If you want something that's five-star luxury, there's one of those. So you've got a little bit more going on around you. It's just very natural scenery. Probably got the biggest ski area of 55 kilometres, whereas the others are about 40. So not a lot of different. Yeah, quite unspoiled, natural. There we have some self-catering log cabins, which are quite good for families if they want to go as a group. But, you know, with all of the different restrictions coming in, it's quite difficult to provide catered log cabins at the moment. But certainly for self-catering log cabins, then Ulas has, has definitely got some there. And then some of the hotels also have cabin-type accommodation, you know, and you can get your igloo-type rooms within some of the hotels as well. So, to, again, depends on entirely what the people are looking for to make their holiday special, and that can all be added in. So, yeah, three quite different resorts that offer different type of atmosphere, but similar kinds of experiences. And you can also uh, have a night in the Ice Hotel, is that right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I've not been lucky enough to see this ice hotel yet. However, I've, I know people that have been and it's just fantastic. So we have a nice hotel in Lani and it's just it's rebuilt every year, as you expect it to be, you know, and you can stay there the night. And it's just fantastic. You've got your bar. Somebody sent me a video where they were going down the Helter Skelter sort of steps, if you like, within the hotel. And it just looks fantastic. You know, just the ice sculptures around, 
the way that the, the layout is, the lighting within. There's lots of ways to make it really special, you know, within Lapland. You've got all the stuff I've talked about, but you've got the Ice Hotel, you've got igloo cabins, you can go to a Moorotka Lodge, which is a wilderness lodge, and stay there. So there's just other things that you can do to make the whole experience even more magical. It's probably not for a short break. It, it would be for one of your seven days, really, because you just wouldn't have time to fit it in. You could probably do it on a three or four night. I had clients who did the ice hotel. So there were four of them that went, two of them went and stayed overnight. You do also visits, don't you, where you can just go for the evening and have drinks. Yeah. And then they came back to the nice cosy cabin, which sounds a bit nicer to me. I don't know what the opinion <laughs> is, but, oh, but they did. No. The people who stayed there, they loved it. They really enjoyed it. Yeah, you don't just make you sleep on the ice. You can sleep on like a, it's got a, I don't know, reindeer cover or something on it that keeps you off the ice itself. But yeah, if you're going all that way, why wouldn't you want to stay there in the ice? I've stayed in some cold hotels before, but they weren't deliberately meant to be cold. They just didn't have any heating or anything. So staying in an ice hotel would definitely be, uh, you know, much better than some of the poor choices I made when I was younger. But I've also heard that you can also get married over there as well, which sounds like an amazing place to get married abroad. You know, I often think when people say they want to get married abroad, they're thinking in their heads, it's white sandy beaches, it's four poster beds, it's rose-covered petals everywhere and it's just you know it, it's lovely and of course that is really lovely but if you think about it yeah you can get married in Lapland and there are no restrictions either so you don't have to be there for two weeks before you can get married or whatever it's completely legal so there's nothing that you have to think about you know sort of well when we get back we'll have to have another ceremony kind of thing it is all you know it's all legal but you can get married out there you can get married in the ice hotel you can spend a night under the stars in an igloo type room, you know, with the glass windows watching the northern lights. And it's just fantastic. We have a fantastic wedding planner out there, Rue. She looks after you from way before you even arrive. We'll literally go through everything with you, you know, from what the wedding is going to look like, who it is that's going to be marrying you, you know, to what your flowers are, how you're going to transport your dress over and, you know, all of the little things that you, the fine details that you would need. And, you know, you go and she's there to hold your hand all the way, you know, and you're going to be the only bride that day in that hotel that's getting married. So it's not going to be like you're going to be one of, you know, 20 in a chain or, or whatever. So it is very magical. And I think what Rue does is just make sure that everything goes so smoothly on the day. So if anybody is thinking of getting married abroad, it's definitely a great place to go because you've got everything else you can do at the same time. So, you know, can you imagine? In fact, my old boss, our old CEO, he got married out in that land. And, you know, he the wedding photos were just fantastic. And you quite often see people have got a set of skis in a wedding dress. You know, think of those photos that you'd be looking at in 20 years' time. It'd be amazing. Oh, I think the photos would be really unique, wouldn't they, for a yeah. wedding in Lapland? Yeah. I'm going to say really all the snowy would. background and, oh, it does sound wonderful. I know, I know. I keep threatening to take the other half and just sort of arrange a wedding for when we get there, but there's uh. not having any of it. <laughs> That's so much useful advice for somebody planning a trip. But what would be your top tips? And so if somebody's always thought, oh, yeah, I'd really love to take the kids or grandchildren to Lapland. What would you advise them to sort of think about when they're planning a trip? Well, first of all, think about booking it quite a bit in advance. 
the reason being it sells out really well. We weren't able to take people to Lapland in December 2020. So December 21 is already selling fast. And there's you know, a lot of people are, are already booked in. And December 22 is already on sale and selling really well as well. So first of all, think about it in advance. Don't just leave it till last minute. Think about what it is that you want to get out of your holiday. My advice is get as much out of it as you possibly can in the time that you've got. So, you know, don't arrive and think, oh, we won't do anything on the first night because we'll be a bit tired. You might only be there for two nights. Make the most of it. Just go. You can sleep on the plane. You'll be fine. So, you know, I know when you've got little children, that may be a little bit different, but they're going to have a great time. They're going to be on a high. So, you know, if there's the possibility to book an excursion for the first evening and even the second evening, just do it. If you're there for three nights, you've got a whole day to add in other excursions as well. So think about what it is that's going to make you excited. You know, I've mentioned a few excursions, but there's other things you can do, like laser shooting, going around a forest, shooting each other with these lasers. I, I was rubbish at it, but it was so much fun. You can go ice karting and lots of stuff. So thinking about the kids, thinking about the adults, what is it that's going to actually make it exciting for you? Think about where you want to stay, but don't get too hung up on the hotel. You're not going to be in the hotel unless you're there for a week. You're not going to be in the hotel very much. So, you know, if you think the kids are going to want to swim every day, yeah, brilliant. Choose one of the hotels with a swimming pool. But you can also go to those pools even if you don't stay there. If you think, I just need a base for my head each evening, that's fine. There'll be hotels for that. So think about that side of things. But, yeah, just plan as much as you can before you go because the last thing you want to do is find think to yourself, Okay, well, when we get there, we'll book up an excursion to go and see the Northern Lights. Now, we're never going to guarantee you can see the Northern Lights physically, but we'll always try. But you can book an excursion. If you decide you're going to book it when you get there, there's a fair chance it will be full. You won't have time and it will be more expensive. So it's always cheaper to book things up before you actually go. So that's my advice. Plan what you're going to take with you in terms of clothing. And like I said, you know, make sure you've got thinner layers as opposed to big bulky jumpers because you don't know how cold it's going to be and you don't want to get too hot, but equally you don't want to be cold either. So, you know, you don't need anything posh for the evenings. It's really casual. You know, just jeans and jumpers is fine for the evenings within the hotels. If there's a gala evening, then you might want to take something a little bit smarter for that. But again, you know, it's not all gowns and tiaras, so you, you'll be okay on that side of things. So just make sure that you've got the right footwear. And then we've said that they provide you with the thermal boots. But make sure you've got some other chunkier footwear. And again, those stilettos, not very recommended. Make sure you've got your hat and scarves. But yeah, that would be my top tips, really. Think about what it is you want, book as much up as you can before you go and think about your clothing to actually take with you. I mean, with your short breaks, it sounds like pretty much is everything is included anyway, isn't it? So you've got yeah. your thermal clothing, you've got all your food included, you've got a lot of activities and, okay, you can book some optional ones, but you've got probably the important ones that you would want to do included there. And the longer trips, I suppose they're a bit more flexible, aren't they? Because you've got a bit more time, yeah, pre-book some of the trips, but then you might be self-catering rather than in a hotel, so you can go a bit more at your own pace. Yeah, they are. And I think, you know, the weak ones are brilliant because they can be tailored to what you want it to be. And again, with or without a Santa part of it, you know, there are so many excursions. So book the ones you really want to see before you go. But actually just give yourself time and spread it out and enjoy the moment and enjoy the resort that you're in, as well as thinking, well, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Yes, crowd in. Don't make it unbearable, particularly if you've got that week or that slightly longer break, because there'll be enough to keep you going. And when you get there, 
you'll talk to the reps or you'll talk to other people that you bump into and they'll say oh I did this and you'll think oh I didn't know about that so you might be able to add something else in you know so it's worth if you're on the longer break yeah leave a little bit of time for yourselves don't book everything up but make sure you do get the most essential bits if you decide you absolutely want a two hour husky ride don't not book it before you go because you'll be really disappointed that you can't get it when you get there yeah, absolutely. You, those things that are must-dos for you, definitely yeah. you need to book them before, don't you? And things like the ice hotel, I know that uh, you know, I've had with people when they've not booked it, when they originally booked the holiday and then heard about it, wanted to add it on, and there's only so much availability, isn't there? So it's yeah. best to get things like that booked up. Just back to the people who are self-catering. So what are the options for them to buy food and supermarkets, that kind of thing? So there is supermarkets there and they can get, and there's restaurants, they can go out to eat. You can get everything in the supermarkets, you know, everything from your cocoa pops to your egg and bacon or whatever it is that you want. So you won't go hungry whatsoever, you know, but it's nice to try some of the local stuff there. Some people might want to try a bit of reindeer, other people won't. But, you know, you've got the options, bags of crisps, your drinks and drinks. So Lapland, Finland is known to be quite expensive. So, but if you go into the supermarket and you stock it up, you know, it's not that expensive to get a bottle of vodka or a bottle of Baileys or a couple of bottles of wine or whatever. It's really not that expensive. To buy in a bar is a bit more expensive, but not that much more than London prices. So, you know, you might pay a fiver for a beer or, you know, you might pay eight or nine pound for a spirit drink or whatever but as I say you pay that in parts of the UK anyway so you know there's those sort of prices but as I say the supermarkets will stock everything and you can just keep yourself stocked up with even your biscuits and your crisps maybe not your bourbons (laughs) (laughs) drinks sound much cheaper than Paris so um, (laughs) there is that there is that save on money (laughs) on alcohol not to not to spend extra money so yeah it it sounds quite reasonable it sounds kind of roughly what you'd pay on a cruise or on another sort of similar kind of type of holiday anyway so I don't think anyone's going to be too surprised at the prices but if you're only going for sort of two or three nights then maybe you don't have that much time a lot of people, as you said, will go with grandparents. So maybe the grandparents will look after the kids in the room and then you'll go downstairs and go and maybe have a drink in the bar in the hotel and sort of relax and scroll through the hundreds and thousands of photos that you've taken for that day. Yeah, exactly. It's not the sort of place you're going to go and drink a lot. The last thing you need is a hangover when you're going to meet Santa. So, you know, it's not that sort of holiday. This is an experience of a lifetime. So, yeah. I think all those activities during the day, I think everybody would be ready for an early night anyway, wouldn't they? You're just tired. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're tired. You're tired. If you're outside, whether you're here or abroad, if you're outside all day, you do get really tired. So, yeah, you you know, by nine o'clock, you're ready for dinner in bed anyway. So, you know yeah. and then you just want to say oh, the northern lights coming out let's just go out for a quick walk yeah that it does sound really special i mean i have to say i really like the sound of the log cabin longer stay that's how i've booked a few of those for people and the idea of the yeah snowing activities going off to see the northern lights and then being by a nice log fire in your cabin with your friends and family it just sounds really lovely yeah, it is lovely. Everything about it is special. You know, there, there isn't one bit that you wouldn't think or oh, wouldn't want to do that again. Now, everything about it is just is just amazing. 
Well, I can't wait to meet Santa again now. I'm definitely a believer and always have been. So I would really love to go and see Santa in his home and go and see some of those snowy activities as well. So thank you so much, Julie, for telling us all about it and sharing your experiences. Oh, you're very welcome. It's just one of those destinations I'm completely passionate about. I can't tell you how much I absolutely adore it. It's lovely. That was great, wasn't it? I really enjoyed hearing Julie talk about Lapland. Um, I think I'm off to go and book my stay in a log cabin somewhere. It sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm even thinking about putting my Christmas decorations back up again. <laughs> it's put me really back into the festive mood. And I know December 2022 sounds like a long, long time away, but I can't wait. I mean, I've got a niece and she'll be coming up to the right age to go over. And I just want to take her over and see her face when she meets the real Santa. Oh, I know. I'd really like to go and meet the real Santa again, too. And, and we have got so many people who are already booking for 2022. As you say, it does seem, well, it is a long time away, but just gives you a bit longer to look forward to it, to plan, save up. Yeah, I think that's the great thing is it's quite a low deposit and then after you've paid the deposit you can just chip away at the final balance on our apps it's really easy i know a lot of people do it you know the day they get paid they just sort of jump on the app 20 seconds later they've paid a little bit off and with the short trips you have everything included as well so you know exactly how much it's going to cost yeah i think also for me i've done skiing when i was really kind of young and i remember not having any balance at all because i don't have particularly great balance anyway the best of times so i think for me to go and ski there because it is a great place for beginners to ski because they tend not to attract the expert skiers and i would feel a bit embarrassed you know going to the alps and of that and going with all the little kids i don't know if i told you once i went and did ice skating it was on the opposite sides of the Eiffel. so you overlook the Eiffel tower and the person i was with was going around and they looked very much like Torval indeed and I had to hold on to a plastic penguin and I would feel very similar doing this if I went skiing because there'd be people who were really really good whereas in Lapland it doesn't attract the sort of expert skiers so you can be more of a beginner and you can go there and do the lessons as well so I think for me when I want to learn skiing I'm going to go to Lapland. Yeah well you can just do a bit of everything can't you if you want to go and do a little bit of skiing and some tobogganing go out on a snowmobile do you reindeer rides I mean it really can do a little bit of everything and if you want to find out any more about Lapland and all the different trips then please just get in touch all our contact details are in the show notes or you can find all our details as well on the website which is fairytaleholidays.co.uk so thanks for listening to the show today we hope that you enjoyed listening to something a bit different to the usual Disney and found out some useful information about Lapland. That's all for this week. Please make sure to subscribe or follow us. And if you could leave us a review, that would be amazing as well as it helps to get the podcast out to even more people. So thanks for listening. And have a magical day. Mm-hmm.